0: Approximately 20 years ago, I was in a very similar position to the one I am in right now. It was my bar mitzvah. It was my first aliyah. I was called up to the bima, much like this one, to read from the Torah and even to give a little sermon. I was on the precipice of becoming a man. Today it seems I'm in the same place, <laughs> standing at the bema, giving a little sermon based on the Torah, and also again on the precipice of becoming a man. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to wonder if I'll actually get there. <laughs> I guess I'll give it another 20 years and then I'll, I'll let you know how I'm doing. Uh, Today, I'd like to tell you the story of the three aliyot. Aliyah, or aliyot in plural, means literally to go up, and is used to describe the honor of going up to the bima to read from the Torah. It's also used to describe becoming a citizen of Israel, but for my three stories, I'm only going to use it the first way. Anyways, as I said, my first aliyah was for my bar mitzvah. I was 13 years old and I got to choose the theme of my sermon, and I chose love. My Parsha was the story of how Moses hit the rock instead of speaking to it, and, uh, actually, you know what? I think I'll just let my 13-year-old self tell the story. So, uh, so if you don't mind, uh, um, I'd like to quote my, my sermon from 20 years ago. Sorry, mom and dad, you have to hear it again. Um, so here it is, and I quote. My Torah portion tells the story of the children of Israel who had left Egypt with Moses and Aaron and were on their way to the Promised Land. They came to the wilderness of Zin and stayed in Kadesh, and that is where Miriam died. Now, not you, the other one. The, the people became angry with Moses and Aaron because this place to which they had been led had no water and was not capable of growing anything for them to eat. So they spoke to Moses and asked him why he had even bothered to take them on this journey when they would have just as soon stayed in Egypt and died. Moses and Aaron felt frustrated and prayed to God for help. And God spoke to Moses and told him to take the rod that had worked miracles before and in front of the congregation to hold up the rod and speak to the rock, and it will bring forth water for everyone to drink. So Moses and Aaron assembled the congregation and told them that the rock was going to bring forth water. But Moses, instead of talking to the rock, hit it twice with his rod. The water sprung forth abundantly, and the people and their cattle drank the water. And then God told Moses that since he had hit the rock, instead of talking to it, he would not let Moses enter the promised land. This was the same God who had told Moses to hold up his rod and the Red Sea would part. And it did. Now that people had lost their trust in Moses, he had in turn lost his faith in God, and this was to be his punishment. Now, this is a very interesting story, and it shows the importance of faith. But how does it relate to the theme of love? Let's see. Let's think of the rock not as a rock, but maybe as a human being with feelings. So I was, I was 13. I was doing my own midrash here, I guess. Uh, so this rock is a complete stranger who could pot- potentially be an enemy or a friend. The rock has something you want. could be land or wealth or even water. There are two ways to deal with the rock. You could use brute force to get what you want, and you may succeed, as in Moses' case. Or you can try to communicate and use your love to make a friend. But love must go beyond you, your friends, and your family. Everything that you do matters. Helping in in your community by doing simple things like voting, cleaning the environment, and giving to charity. All of these are ways that you can help. And when you're helping others, you are expressing love. Love must be spread around the world. Unquote. At 13 13 years of age, I read the Torah and I took from it a sense of purpose. A sense that God's love must be spread. And that he had called me to do it. Today, at 33 years old, I look back at the same passage... And I I kind of wonder how I arrived at this conclusion. How exactly did I go from Moses hitting a rock to the idea that love through action needs to be spread around the world? In this passage, Moses is being disobedient to God's commandment. And that is also choosing anger over love. Because to show love to God is to keep his commandments. In fact, Yeshua says in John 14, verse 15, I don't know if we have it, but it's, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, that explains that the issue is loving God. But I did make a huge, did I make a huge leap at 13 years old between loving God through obedience, speaking to the rock, and loving others? Well, again, according to Rabbi Yeshua, these two are inextricably linked. In Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39, Yeshua says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it Love your neighbor as yourself. In the Greek, when Yeshua says that the second commandment is like the first, he means it is similar, it is relational, it's tied together. First John chapter 4 verse 21 states, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So the lessons of my first Aliyah still ring true today. I still agree with them. God is love and calls us to love others through action. God has endowed us with purpose and relationships to enact that purpose. And this brings me to the story of the second Aliyah that I want to talk about, which is the Aliyah of today. Today's Shabbat service is, the, is called an off-roof. I don't know if I said that right. It's a, it's a Yiddish word. Now you may be asking, what is off-roof? Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> roof is a Yiddish word. It's, it's similar to aliyah. It basically means calling up. This refers to the traditional ceremony of an almost married man and woman on the Shabbat before their wedding day, uh, being called up to the Torah. This is essentially what we're doing today. My bride, Sonia, had an aliyah and gave a very excellent drash. And I'm standing here giving the sermon. Now, there's some amazing traditions of this service that I found as I was learning about it, and I wanted to share it with you. Traditionally, nuts or raisins or <laughs> sweet candies are, are thrown gently, historically it's very gentle, at the bride and groom. This symbolizes the sweetness and goodness of marriage and also alludes to the commandment in Genesis to the very first couple, peru Urevu. Be fruitful and multiply. I guess it's a fruity flavor. As you can see, uh, I had my, my shield of faith here, just in case you weren't that gentle. Uh, I mean, you know, for, for both of us, to protect both of us. Another nice thing about the off-roof ceremony is that it ties my union with Sonia to the Torah, God's word and covenant, By speaking from the Torah this morning, Sonia and I have made a public commitment to putting Torah and Torah principles first in our marriage. Love, forgiveness, worship, justice, faith, and reconciliation, loving God and loving others, the most important commandments according to Messiah Yeshua. Today's service also connects us to you, our community. Present today are people who have prayed for Sonia and for me, even before we knew each other, supported us emotionally and spiritually, and spoken hope into our lives. You have sharpened us as iron sharpens iron. You have prayed for us faithfully. You have spoken truth when we needed to hear it. You have opened your homes and your hearts and your lives to help us along the way. You are my brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, and it is not an exaggeration for me to say that if you can hear my voice right now, I thank God for you personally. You have already blessed what will tomorrow be a new family. Hebrews 11 lists many, many heroes of the faith who have gone before, like Moses and Abraham. And uh, these are men and women who have persevered and been great examples. And, uh, And just after that, after mentioning all of these great people, in Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2, it reads this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders... In the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Yeshua, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Well, I have personally never met Moses or Abraham or Rahab or the others mentioned in the previous chapter, but I do know you, and to me, you are that great cloud of witnesses Cheering Sonia and me on, supporting us and blessing us, being ensconced in this cloud, it gives me encouragement and hope for my relationship with God and my relationship with Sonia. Last week, a woman came up to me and, uh, with with watery eyes of joy, she told me how thankful she was that I was getting married after years of praying for me to find my wife. God has used you in my life, in our lives, all I can say is, Baruch Hashem. Praise God. On today's Aliyah, I need only to look in front of me to see a visible reminder of God's love and how he uses people in my life for his purpose and for my good. Another tradition for the off-roof service is the reading of Isaiah chapter 61. And this actually brings me to the third aliyah that I want to talk about today. This is the aliyah of Yeshua himself. Isaiah 61, which is traditionally read for a marriage aliyah, for the off-roof service, this parsha was read by Yeshua near the very beginning of his ministry. He visited a synagogue and he was called to read. The off-roof, or calling up, of this section of scripture is recorded in the Brit Hadashah, the New Covenant, in Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. And this is how it unfolds. He went to Nazareth, Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, Isaiah 61 was originally written as an encouragement to Israel, prophesying about when they would come back from exile. It was a reminder calling them back to their first love and their original purpose, so that when they re-entered the land, they would reflect God's love to the nations through obedience to his commandments. They were to be a light to the nations, And just like I said in my bar mitzvah speech, they were to bring healing to the world. The rest of the chapter, chapter 61, talks about how Israel would be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, that their shame and sorrow and mourning would turn to joy, inheritance, and restoration. The final verses of that chapter read like this. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all the nations." This is describing Israel's ultimate purpose. She was designed to be a beacon of love, justice, and healing. Just as I knew I was designed for this purpose at 13 years old, and just as I know you are designed for this purpose today. But why did Yeshua choose this passage and then say that the scripture is now fulfilled? Well, Yeshua came to fulfill the scriptures, to bring them to the fullness of their purpose and their meaning. Yeshua was the representative of the children of Israel. So if it was their purpose, it was also his purpose. Only Yeshua could say that it was fulfilled perfectly because he was the Messiah. Israel was called to bring healing to the broken world. But Yeshua, as the perfect Israelite, was able to do it fully. But this does not mean that Israel or any of us are off the hook. Yeshua fulfilled this purpose to enable us to fulfill this purpose as well. Through him, we are empowered to love a broken world. Through Yeshua, we are enabled to love others as God has called us to do. Through Yeshua, we can speak to the rock instead of hitting it. We can set free the captives. We can be a light to others. But why is Isaiah 61 recited for the off-roof before a wedding? This passage was intended to encourage Israel and remind her of her God-given purpose. Well, speaking personally, I know that the journey and calling which God has for me is linked to the purpose of Sonia. Our vision and destinies are bound up together. She is the one whom Hashem has called me to form a new life with, to create a marriage that continues God's Torah-given purpose, to bring healing, hope, and love to a hurting world. I thank God for her, my bride. Uh, Before I close, uh, I was wondering if I could share a little something with you all. Um, Sonia knows uh, I I love songs from the 80s. I don't know what it is. Uh, And one of my favorite movies, uh, Back to the Future, has a great song called The Power of Love. Do you know this song? So uh, with a few adjusted lyrics, just slightly adjusted, I think it sums up what I've been trying to say. So with your permission, uh, I'd like to sing it for you.
1: Turn it up. Power of love is a curious thing Makes one man weep and another man sing Strong like a warrior, gentle like a dove More than a feeling, that's the power of love Binds up the broken, sets the captives free. God's love has always been real to me. Uh, make a bad one good and make a wrong one right. Power of love that keeps you in the fight. Well, I think they started at the wrong time. <laughs> but then the chorus goes like this. Chorus goes like this. Chorus Don't need money, don't take fame, don't need no credit card to ride this train. It's strong and it's awesome and it transforms your mind and it might just save your life. That's the power of love. That's the power of love. Everybody, that's the power of love. That's the power of love.
0: Amen. (laughs) I was going to drop the mic, but it's not mine. Well, Avinu, uh, we just thank you for...